Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. It is the Survivor Off-Season, and we have a very special project going on this summer in conjunction with the launch of our new website, which is purplerockpodcast.com. We're going to be doing a very special series this summer. We're going to discuss it in this podcast, and then we're going to premiere it on our website. And Andy, since it's your brainchild, why don't you tell the people about it? Yes, um, you probably figured out what it is by clicking on the podcast with the title of it. Uh, if not, I have been teasing it on my Twitter, uh, and if you're following me, you probably have had no chance of figuring out what I was getting at. And if you're not following me, why aren't you? Uh, follow me, Purple Rock Andy. Um, we are going to spend the rest of the summer, hopefully just the summer. It better be just the summer. <laughs> uh, breaking down the 30 moments that help shape Survivor. So we are going to do a list of 30 moments. That's not 30 things, that's not 30 people, but moments that happened on the show Survivor that have influenced both the game that we watch, but also the show that we watch. And sometimes they're two different things. You know, Some things influence the way people and future players played the game. Some people influence the way the show operated and how it was you know, presented to us as a story. We are going to break down all of those things um, tonight. John and I are going to put out the list of contenders. Uh, so this is uh, by no means 30. You'll probably hear more than 30. I don't know what John's going to say. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. But we're going to kind of go back and forth and figure out what do we think could be contenders. And we'll probably nail it. Uh, we'll put it out there right now. But absolutely, if you think we've missed something... If you think we've mentioned something that you just think is, no, we're totally off base. Or if it, within our conversation, John and I both kind of be like, yeah, yeah, not to that. And you think definitely that. Please, uh, send us uh, what you think. We're, we are opening this up to crowdsourcing. We have not yet made our list of 30. That's what we're going to do next week. This is the preliminary stage. Yeah, and if you do happen to have a moment that we didn't think of and you present a compelling case for it, uh, like I said, the content that we're going to put up on our website, again, purplerockpodcast.com, we're going to write about each one of these moments. We're going to have nice little write-ups about them, hopefully some videos, hopefully some pictures, to explain how exactly they helped shape Survivor. And if you were one of the ones that happened to nominate something that we didn't think of, we'll make sure to give you a nice little shout-out in those write-ups. Yeah, maybe even a guest post if you're compelling enough. Let's not promise too much. <laughs> I already feel like I've got some editing on this podcast. Um, so yes, tonight is the kickoff. Uh, this probably will be a long show as we kind of break down 30 seasons of Survivor, so to speak. Uh, but then after this, you should expect to see one post per item on the list. So 30 posts we're committing to. And to clarify, you say 30 seasons of Survivor. We are going to go chronologically because, you know, Survivor builds upon itself but we are probably not going to have a moment from every season because some seasons, for whatever reasons, may not have had much of an impact on the show itself over 30 seasons. Yeah, yeah and you'll find, especially as we get closer to the present, it's pretty hard to be influential without time. Um, yes. So, yeah, spoiler alert, nothing from this most recent season could qualify for this list by, ne by necessity. It's impossible. It's very possible that something in Worlds Apart will become influential. We have no way of knowing. And spoiler uh, alert, so I do actually have a nomination, but it's probably going to be an honorable mention. So before we get any further into this, I should mention that just because of the nature of what we're talking about, there are going to be some spoilers about Seasons of Survivor. So if that's the sort of thing that bothers you, maybe now is not the ideal time to listen to this podcast. Maybe you could just go spend your time on our new website and uh, enjoy yourself there instead. Yeah. Um, just to clarify what we mean by the moments that shape Survivor. These are not necessarily the 30 biggest moments in the history of Survivor. These aren't necessarily the best or funniest. Those are There are plenty of lists about those things out there. Pretty good lists in some cases. Some cases, eh. <laughs> um, certainly some of the moments we discussed tonight will be some of the biggest and best moments. But they need to have changed Survivor at some point. Because one of the great things about Survivor is that it's been evolving since the very beginning. And in fact, the very first season evolved quickly from what the original concept and I think what the original producers wanted it to be into becoming something very different. And since that moment, the players themselves have shaped what we see. 
in ways that the show could never anticipate. And that's uh, always been interesting to me, and that's why I got this idea. And you know what? It'll probably be easier as you're listening to just figure out what we're talking about as we go along, because we'll probably discuss things and say, ah, this doesn't count because of X or Y or Z. Yeah. Just the one thing is that every moment we're discussing will be a moment on the television show. Yes. We're not worried about backstage politicking. We're not worried about, you know, what the producers did or didn't do. We're not even worried so much about whether an edit was true or not, because even if it was fake, even if the edit completely manufactured something, and within the context of that particular game, it didn't really have as much effect as they like to pretend it did, it airing on television had a dramatic effect on the show going forward. Whether it be future players saw what they saw and didn't know the backstory and thus shaped what they would do in the future, or the show itself was like, yes, we want that, and we're going to do more of that. So this is very much about what we saw on TV, and we don't have to worry about, hey, uh, oh, that's not really what happened. Yeah. If it was on TV, that's what happened. All right, so I think we can kick it off. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Season one, Borneo, for reference, too, if you and I both say it, it's it's basically a lock. It's probably going to be on the list. Yeah, unless we both say, eh, I just wanted to bring this one up, but not really. Um, <laughs> it was tough not to just say, oh, everything that happened this season, you know, like, the show existing. And that's kind of why I said it has to happen on the show, and it has to be a moment. It can't be a series of events over, like, three weeks. Moments. Yeah, and there was there were certain things that I was, when I was brainstorming this list, I would come up with narratives, and I'd be like, no, it can't be a narrative. It's got to be a, a thing. It's not a story arc. It's a single moment that happens. Yeah, like, so, for example, pagonging is hugely influential, yep. but it's not a moment. It's a thing that happened for, like, the entire second half of the season. Right. Uh, but yeah. watch how I cheat to get something yes. close enough. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> there might be a few we finesse into a moment, but yes. it has to be a moment. So what do you got? Okay, so might as well stick with what you just suggested, the pagonging thing. We can't use that, but we can say that Richard Hatch forming the very first alliance in Survivor history is a moment. No, absolutely, that's a lock. Yes. For the first alliance, and that's not... Gonging came after. Now, I think what will happen is as we uh, look this over and run... Did, did Richard actually form the first alliance? There's, there's Sometimes uh, I know Kelly in, you know, the three to four minutes of interviews she gave this season, uh, <laughs> off-season, suggested that her and Sue had formed the first alliance before Richard got into it. Again, we're going by what the show... By what we saw on the show, exactly. Yep. But yeah, absolutely. Forming alliance... Um, Perhaps the most influential moment in the history of the show. Right. Lock. Yeah. This next one, so this is iffy, and I totally understand if you shoot it down, but it certainly did shape Survivor. The Stacey Stillman vote. That, I thought about it. When we're done this 30, we might do, like, kind of like an additional post of, like, moments that form, uh, that shape Survivor off camera. <laughs> and that's all right, like the Stacey Stillman, because, you know, you're watching the show, you don't know, it's just... Yeah, they voted off somebody. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think it was probably hugely influential in the development of the series, but it wasn't on the show itself. Right, and so just a quick summary. If, if you're not familiar, Stacey Stillman was, I believe, the third boot of season one. There are some very strong allegations that there may have been some interference by the producers to suggest that they vote her out rather than Rudy. And... There may have, well, there was definitely a lawsuit regarding it that mm -hmm. you can find no record of on the internet. Yeah, well, because I think they settled, so yes. that hushed it up. And I'm sure that was part of the terms. So, definitely had an impact, and I totally understand not including it on this list. So, you give me one now. Uh, I think this one kind of will help get people to understand what we're talking about here. Because I think it'd be tempting to just make a list of strategic moments. Uh one, it's tempting because we're strategy wonks, and that's how the internet often thinks about the game. And that's also how the game itself is influenced. But this moment is how the show was influenced. Uh, it really had no effect, very little effect, if at all, on the game. But uh, Sue Hawk's Rats and Snakes speech, I think, is one of the more influential moments. Yeah. Because it, basically everybody tried to copy her, or at least once per season, or once every other season. You get another uh, grandstanding jury member. Yes. So I think it's an indelible moment of the show. Absolutely. That's a... That's a lock every bit as much as Hatch Form in the Alliance. All right. Well, do you have, do you have, I'm guessing you have others? 
I got at least one more. Actually, I have one more, uh, and I'm willing to accept others from you. But okay. Richard Hatch winning. Yeah, lock, lock, lock. Yeah, it has to be, right? Because that shapes the core. We've said this many times, totally unrelated to this particular series that we're doing. But if Hatch doesn't win that first season, I don't know that the show lasts very long. Yeah, that that jury choosing Hatch defined what Survivor was going to be. And very interestingly, and we'll get more into this article that I think you and I might have to wrestle over who gets to write it, because uh, I really want to, uh, in opposition to what the show itself wanted. You know, the show thought it was going to be one thing, and that jury, at least five of them, decided, no, it's going to be another thing. And that's, if forming the alliance isn't the most influential moment in Survivor history, Richard Hatch winning is. Yeah, I think it was four of them, by the way. I think it was four, three. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Juries were smaller. Then. Yes. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's all I have for Borneo. Okay, yeah, so that, that's all I have too. So let's move on to season two. Again, this one, a bit of a stretch, and I'm totally fine with you shooting it down because it's kind of hard to craft it into a moment. But Jerry, our first ever aspiring actress, setting the mold for what would come many, many, many times thereafter. Uh, so I guess the best I can do with the Jerry thing is saying her overreaction to Kel's beef jerky. Yeah, I would say that's a separate list that I think we should and probably will consider in the future, uh, maybe a year from now or something. Because uh, I, I think Jerry Manthe is one of the most influential characters in the history of the show. I don't think there's much question about that. But, yeah, I don't know if that's a moment. So Again. And, I, and it's good that we're talking about this now, because it kind of helps shape uh, both for each other and the listeners, kind of really narrow down what we're talking about here. Because, yeah, uh, I also, you know, there are going to be some characters where, like, I felt like that there should be something. Yep. And some some of the biggest characters in the history of Survivor, it's like, yeah, but they don't quite have a moment. Why they are influential is the, the cumulative presence. Right. And, yeah, Jerry, Manthe... First villain, a uh, villainess, I guess, a survivor. Obviously, Hatch is the first villain, but huge. And she was a template that I think they still sometimes try to find now. Which but. is hilarious, going back to watch Australia, trying to figure out why exactly she was a villain. A little <laughs> That's about it. Uh, yeah, so that's a no. Um, so I have two moments I want to put in there. Okay. I feel like one is and one isn't, and I'm not sure what it is. So hopefully you can make, work it out right. here. Um, so there's two big Mike Scoopin moments in, in a Survivor Australia. Uh-huh. I think the biggest moment is is him falling in the fire. Okay. I'm just not sure there's much influence other than it's... And that's where I was going to shoot you down because yeah. how does that shape Survivor in... So, so this, yeah, this is my argument. And again, I'm not sure if it makes a 30, but why I wanted to discuss it is... Us seeing that, and you know, it on the television show, it established for viewers that this isn't messing around. You know, I think you know when Survivor was super popular, and you get you know cynical people, oh, they're just in a studio, you know, right next to where they film the moon landing or whatever. Like uh, Scoopin's injury uh, showed that this is real. You know, although I guess some people might even think that ah, that wasn't uh, like this isn't. They are some fabricated thing. They are really dealing with some real stuff here, and if you goof around too much, there could be real consequences. So that's where I think it could be influential, but I'm still not sure if it counts. I lean towards no on that one, and I'm guessing yeah. I can already figure out what your next one is, but let's give it. The other one is when he hunted and killed the boar, yeah. which I think is, is, is much, it's not, it's a smaller moment, but the reaction to that was pretty controversial. Uh, you know, there was, you know, PETA and all the animal rights groups were all up in arms. And I think the graphicness of it and the way it happened kind of made Survivor have to step back from what I think their original idea of what the series would be. You know, they're like, hey, this is survivalist stuff. And then it's like, oh, okay, I guess we can't really kill big animals because people don't like that. So I feel like it might have had more of an influence on the television show of Survivor than necessarily a game where, you know, it fed them for a day or two. Even then, I'm going to call that one iffy. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I figured that was... It's worth mentioning. I'm not sure it'll get to 30. I am interested in what our listeners might have to say yeah. as well. If I'm convinced by the listeners, maybe that makes it. But uh, is that the only other one you have for Australia? No, I have another one. Okay. But, uh, you got, do you have anything for Australia? I have one more, and I was shocked if you weren't including this. The live reunion. 
Well, interesting. I do not have that, but talk about it. I mean, how does that not? Okay, so if you watched the show as it aired, which you and I both did, season one, there was no live reading of the final Tribal Council. They had recorded it in Borneo. Yeah. So it actually aired with them all at Tribal Council. When you watched Australia live, they come back from commercial after having cast all the votes, and Tina and Colby look a little weird. But they're still in their clothes. Yes. And so you're like, huh, they look a little odd, but whatever. And then Jeff appears, and you realize, oh, they are not in Australia right now. Jeff is in a studio, and he's reading votes. So the live reunion thing became the standard and has never changed. And I think that's a moment that shaped Survivor, just because it's made a large impact on how the show itself Mm -hmm. has progressed. Yeah, I think, you know, as you're presenting it especially, it deserves consideration. I didn't quite know what to do with the introduction of, like, show and game mechanics. Because it's like, well, is it influential or did, you know, they're just like, that's what we're doing now. It's like, I, I, I think probably shouldn't hang too much heavy on influencing because it certainly helped shape the survivor experience. They didn't do it the first time. Uh, not only did Australia have the live reunion, but like, what, a week or two weeks later, they had like a, another special of like, hey, where are they now? You know, shots of Colby riding his motorcycle and silly stuff like that. Oh, 2001 was a wonderful time. Or 2000, I guess it was. 40 million people were watching this show. It, yeah, of course they were going to milk it for everything they could. Uh, but yeah, just certain things, I just like, well, the show just did something. Is it, did it shape it? Or is it, you know, them deciding what it's going to be? But I think, yeah, we definitely put it on there and that'll definitely be something we'll have to think about when we're forming our list. Yeah. I'm fine with it not being a lock. Yeah. That's okay. But I, I it is a part of the show. Um, so what I had was Tina winning and, uh, right now is a good time to mention, we're not going to say for every season, the X person winning, X person winning. I have, I think four on here, uh, not every winner uh, is influential or the moment of them winning might not be influential. Certainly, you know, things of their game might be, but I think Tina, and I'm not sure if this is just this next step of Hatch winning, but it's kind of the similar thing. In both the first two seasons, the jury pushed against the idea of the show being about winning challenges and survivalist things. Obviously, she gets some credit for that, too. One of her biggest moments is, you know, swimming out into the river, grabbing the rice. But I feel like oh, much of Survivor Australia was pushing back against Borneo, right? We're going to be the good people. We're not going to be like the Richard yes. Hatch and all that. And interestingly, it sounds like Tina led the charge on that because it helps benefit her if she set the terms. <laughs> exactly. Uh, your motive. Yeah. But in the end, this season did the same thing. Yeah. You know, and not that Tina is Richard Hatch, but they decided that playing Survivor, playing strategy, playing socially is what Survivor is. That's what you're going to be rewarded for. And these little contests and all of that, that's fun and that's nice and all, but that's not as important as this. And I feel like, you know, Hatch could have been a one-off. I think Tina's win helped confirm it. Uh, I'm not going to call that a lock. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, because it's like, maybe that's just a continuation of Richard winning. You know? That was and my like, thing. This is like the influence. This is the example. The influence is that jury saw Richard win, and that helped shape them. So I also, I, I'm not sure, but I felt like it bears mentioning. And I almost wonder that if when we're writing the post, if we just kind of combine the two or something like that. Because it's just, yeah. I think that it happened in the first two really was more significant that, you know, it with Brian Hyde, it could happen later or anything like that. Because Australia could have undone it all, and they didn't. They, they confirmed it. And from then on, this is what Survivor is. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons I didn't put it on my list, is I, I felt like Richard's win set the template, and Tina's win sort of followed the template. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also not sure. Um, but of my four winners, she is one, uh, one I picked that really helped shape it. So let's move on to Africa. I only have one moment for this. Okay. So how many do you have? Because I might let you go first here. Um, like one and a half. So yeah, I can go first. <laughs> All right. Um, I think this, the introduction of the swap, it, that's what I have. Okay. So that is the one I have too. I guess that makes it a lock. I, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, I think that's a lock. And why do you have So it? this is the first ever twist on the show. You know, obviously this show has survived for this many seasons because of 
always innovating, trying things. You know, they'll give up on things if they don't work. But this is the first time they ever introduced something that said, you know what? The show is not going to be the same thing every single season. And that has pretty much defined the show. Yeah, more like the swap also just added a level of uncertainty for players that could have so easily like been the playbook. Okay, you form your alliance, you wait till the merge, hopefully you make it with numbers, blah, 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 gong, game. And yes. my God, that would have been dull. And, you know, the first two seasons, it wasn't, uh, for one, even there, well, first one, you didn't know what was happening. The second, there right. was a little bit of, uh, shuffling around. You know, Colby kind of moved a lo- yeah, around Jerry alliances. Goes out Jerry go- goes out earlier. Amber goes out a little earlier. But for the most part, it was there, but the personalities were so strong that it was like, this show is amazing. I, you know. But if it would continued, it would have been terrible. And that's what the swap did, is that, don't get too comfortable, you don't know. The one thing that made me like, as it is as influential as it should have been, is people still stupidly act as though there's not going to be a swap all the time. <laughs> but not everybody. Certainly many players recognize, hey, maybe we shouldn't ostracize people now because I might need them later. And yeah, I think it's a lock, for sure. Yeah. All right, so what's your half a moment? Well, it's kind of related to the swap. It's throwing the challenge to get rid of Silas right after the swap. Uh, I'm going to go with no on that. Yeah, I think the swap is the moment, and yes. Silas is the effect in this season and then in future ones. It was more the throwing the challenge aspect of it, but I kind of feel like that wasn't as influential because they just kind of pretended like it didn't happen until a much later throwing of the challenge that we might get to. Right. So, yes, I'm good to cross that out. All right, let's move on to Season 4, Marquesis. I only have one for this one, and well, I don't know what you have. Uh, well, oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, I only have two for this one. There you go. <laughs> um, the first one, uh, Nalia and Pascal flipping and not accepting their fate as the fifth and sixth boots and the start of the fall of the Road 24. Lock, lock, lock. Uh, yes. Just to kind of like, as we're presenting it, how we will present it, we are not going to order the thirty. Uh, well, the order will be chronological, so one will be, you know, form the alliance, etc. Um, but if we were ranking them, I think this is a lock for the top ten, like maybe top five. Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly sets a precedent. It, you would think that people, you know, on the bottom would have been all along thinking like, oh, well, no, I'm going to scramble to get higher. No, they weren't because that was seen as villainous back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is the first time and it was such a breath of fresh air, even just four seasons in. Cause, you know, you're watching it the same way you watch now. Come on, do something, do something. I can't believe you're not doing this. And obviously, you know, we have the benefit that they don't. And right. we might not have understood that as fully. I mean, you know it, you know it's just TV, but at the same time, you don't truly know how much we are getting that they are not. Um, especially since I think now we probably get more than they were not back then. But, yeah, no, it's hugely influential of people doing things to improve their situation when they're lower. Also tied to that is that the show created this moment. They they did the coconut drop challenge to expose yep. the, the pecking order, and that is also hugely influential on the development of the show. This is something that they will go back to the well a few times in this exact form, or other forms in the simple, like, uh, choose your reward partners, that sort of thing. So it's the interventionalist nature of the show. It's like, come on, people, see this, well, do something. Even more terrible is that in this particular episode, it's done with an immunity challenge, which is absurd. There is no way that other people should be able to determine that you go out in an immunity challenge. Yeah, even at the time, because, yeah, especially, you know, at that time, I would just gravitate towards whoever ended up being the underdog when it was happening i'm like this is completely unfair like there was no way for sean to protect himself <laughs> yeah like it doesn't matter how good he is at the challenge he's just off but then of course it ended up being exactly what sean needed in ways you couldn't yep. even anticipate until it happened yeah so the one that you uh, are now kicking yourself that you forgot <laughs> is of course the purple freaking rock man yeah to defend myself I had it written, but it's in a column right next to to the next column, so I only saw one underneath Marquesas. But of course, I had the namesake of our podcast as the other Marquesas moment. Yeah, and I think probably the biggest way that this helped shape Survivor is that, you know, 
12 years later, two people would put together a podcast that would just... The most influential Survivor podcast came from this. <laughs> Easily. Uh, <laughs> but not really. I mean, the tiebreakers before this were terrible. Oh, they were the worst. Yeah, to the point where we now have Jeff Varner coming back because people recognize how he got screwed over. Uh, obviously not the same charge leading for Silas. Um, but yeah, And then I think also in Africa they had another tie that that tiebreaker couldn't even break, so they went to trivia. Like, this is just yep. dumb. Uh, whereas now they put a, a tiebreaker that they executed incorrectly, but it had real stakes, and from that moment on, people weren't so comfortable to just be like, hey, whatever, tie, let's see what happens. Because yep. ties suck. So now people, everybody playing has skin in the game and reasons why they need to make a choice to avoid a tie, because they can remember when Pascal, who quite possibly may have won that season, you know, and shouldn't even have been drawing rocks, according to the rules, was taken out due to random chance, and nobody wants to have that again. Lock. Yep. It'd be a damn shame if it wasn't a lock, given the name of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> even if we were stretching, it'd be on that <laughs> list, folks. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to season five. Do you want to start on this one? Uh, when I was first thinking of Thailand, my first instinct was, you know, nothing because this show has tried its hardest to ensure that Thailand has not influenced future seasons. Um, yep. but I actually do have one moment. And one thing I should say, this gets back to moments versus people. I think Heidek is actually incredibly influential. I do too. So I was trying to find a way to wedge him in because he's the first recruited cast member. Uh, but I just, I couldn't. There's no moment yeah. that does that for you. There isn't. But yeah, like him himself, you know, you see him, Rob Cesarino did so, uh, base some stuff on him. Uh, I think uh, Rob, both Robs, Rob Mariano and All Stars. And so, Rob with two Bs. Uh, probably less so him, but it's only because he's <laughs> on the show. Uh, this is a moment where it's a bubble moment. I'm not sure if it's on the 30, but it's worth talking about. The fake merge that got rid of Xi'an. And here's here's why. Here's my, my quick defense. It showed, along with the swap, that Survivor will mess around with your best laid plans if you make too many assumptions. Now, why it's bubble and why it might not be there is they never did something like this again. But I just feel like it might have injected a sense of uncertainty amongst players. And you kind of see it in interviews. Often people are hedging their bets if there's a merge coming up, if there's this. Nobody wants to be as calculated as this is the day, this is what's going to happen, unless they're bad players. So I feel like that might be an influence I had on the show. Whether it's a 30 influence or not, I'm not sure. I'd obviously, we'd have to wait till we make the list. Yeah, I debated putting it on mine, so I understand, but it didn't make my cut. Mm -hmm. uh, and I imagine what I'm about to nominate to you might not make yours. So I went with Tribes Divided by Schoolyard Pick. Yeah, I guess I hadn't even thought of that, really. First time we see it happen, it's come back in mm -hmm. various forms. We've discussed many times that we like the concept. It's very rare that you get a schoolyard pick that turns out to be boring, uh, here it turns out to be disastrous, but that's only because the cast is pretty disastrous. Yeah, it was actually pretty disastrous in Gabon, too, uh, which obviously you can't uh, mention. Right. The one thing is, not every time... Um, I think you know, I will argue, and I don't know about this one specifically, it's not always the first time that's the most influential. Uh, and that, I this think, will true. come up. Um, but, and just as an example, uh, Worlds Apart saw the first time that they had the extra vote thing. Uh, the nothing that Dan Foley did with it is not going to be the most influential moment in the history of the extra vote if they can do it forward. And that's a very good example. So it's like, did this, um, they're like, you know, I really liked it, but I hated everybody on that season. Or is it like a future one? It's like, yeah, we could cook in with fire there. So I think uh, we'll write it down and see uh, how the list shapes up after that. Right. And again, I, I'm not going to fight too hard for that one. Yeah. So let's move on. To, there's a decent stretch coming up here mm -hmm. where I've got some good ones. So let's move on to Season 6, The Amazon. I'll start us off. The First of all, the theme of the season, the themed season gimmick, I'm going to call a moment. When you first, mm -hmm. when they first arrive and tribes are separated, men versus women, keeps with the idea that the show is this social experiment and also spices it up, gives a season-long theme that doesn't last the whole season. Um this is something that has shaped Survivor. They do theme seasons frequently. Yeah, I uh, honestly, I'd say I didn't even consider it, but I think it belongs at least under consideration. Absolutely. You know, the, yeah, the only um, hedge is like, is it a moment? But, you know, the moment is unveiling the gimmick, really, right. or the theme. Here's and your then, tribe. 
And then, yeah, to argue, well, you can't, obviously, they did it many times. It was incredibly successful here, so of course they tried it again. And mm. to shape the show, the show needed this, even just for marketing purposes. You can't just be like, and, you know, like, it, DVRs that don't ever actually explain what Survivor is. Maybe they know there's an episode coming up, but they haven't gotten the words yet. Yeah. Castaways compete for a million dollars. It's like, like you need a bit more than that. You need a hook, especially in later seasons when they'd reuse locations. They need a location name and a gimmick so that they can not call them, you know, Caramel in Part Four. Right. So yeah, okay, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, my first one is in the game, and um, it's a lock. I don't. I'm not even going to wait for you to say. Uh, um, Rob Cesarino, uh voting out Alex. Uh, and basically how this shaped is he found out he was on the bottom and he flipped people to make sure that he's not. So this is a little different than the row two four. It's obviously, you know, a moment building on a moment, but this is, you know, one person deciding fourth place isn't good enough for me and doing something about it. Yeah. Um, obviously there has to be a Rob C moment in there. I have to. And I know I struggled with this. I actually, I wrote the Christie vote. I also have the Christie vote. I think he's got two. I think that, because I think they're two two different influences. The first one is, you know, pick up the people from the bottom as you need them and shuffle as you, because nothing, like, this is different than a row two four. This is, for one, the show completely spelling it out and two people joining a different alliance and then just staying with that alliance. This is Rob having a solid alliance that would have gotten him right near the end. And he's like, no, that's not good enough. I have these other people. I'm going to work with them, and that's the new thing. And I'm going to take out who at that point was the power player, which is also kind of a new element to it. And, like, the easiest influence you can point to is, you know, Tony does this later in Kageon. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I want to give Rob two of the 30 moments. But, yeah, as you uh, explain what Christy is. Okay, so Christy positioned herself as the swing vote. Yeah. Uh, she was very excited about that possibility and all the power that she possessed. And she would not firmly state who she was going to be voting for. And so at a certain point, Rob said, you know what? If you won't tell us, we'll vote you out. And away goes the swing vote. Yeah, no, and I'd also say that's a lock too. And almost like it's even less about Rob C. He's the author of the moment. But yeah, the influences killed the swing vote, which has become just a part of the survivor textbook from then on out. If there's somebody who you can't trust, they're more dangerous to you than even people that are on the other side. Right. All right. So let's move on because actually I, I, have a- I might have another one of the season. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it, again, this is a more of a maybe, uh, but this is, uh, the third of my winnings. I think Jenna winning helped influence the show in ways un- unintended. Um, people hated that Jenna won this season, and I feel like, uh, the reaction to that, like, you know, online reaction is basically at that point and that point on, people would make lists of, like, the worst winners just so they could insult Jenna. And I think what the, the fallout from that is Survivor made sure not to make their, their winners look as bad as they made Jenna look from that moment on. So from a show perspective, I feel like, you know, like, a, like from a strategy perspective, her win is nothing. It might be one of the least influential win in the history of the show. But from a, from a show perspective, I think they might have learned something from there. And it's like, we need to basically create the winner's edit. Yeah. I, and I get your, your argument. I just, I don't know if that makes it for me or not. Well, and the problem is this is, pure conjecture you know (laughs) other moments we can point to that happened and then this happened i don't know for sure if the show did that well you know what it's funny because this will sort of tie into pearl islands so we can jump into pearl island and i think this might hammer your point home all right so season seven pearl islands i have two that again roughly relate to the jenna point that you're making here one is Rupert crying while talking about being picked on as a fat little fat kid. And the other is John Dalton lying about his grandmother being dead. The start of A, the hero edit, and B, the villain edit. Yeah, I'd say dead grandma is right in there. Yeah, I have that too, for sure. Um, and it's interesting because that's a moment you and I have repeatedly said that is incredibly overrated. 
But again, yes. this isn't just about strategy. I think that was a huge moment in the creation of the villain and setting up the villain as something to aspire to in a way that people weren't before. John Dalton decided, I'm going to be the heel. I'm going to be the wrestling villain. And I think subsequently you got people like, yeah, I could do that. People really, like, people remember Johnny Fairplay. And then, yeah, and it also just kind of set a bar of, for some people, bridge too far, you know, bringing the thing outside. <laughs> and for other people, I don't care. This is a game and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'll lie about whatever. I'll lie about my profession. I'll lie about my name. I'll lie about my kids. I'll lie about. Yeah. I'm going to go so far as to say John Dalton is a lock for this. Yeah. Dead Grandma is a lock for sure. Uh, yep. I think there is a moment for Rupert, and I just hadn't thought that was a moment. Because uh, what I just put, uh, so we might kind of meet in the middle somewhere here, maybe we'll think okay. yours, mine, was just the basic introducing Rupert Bonham to the world is the moment, I think. Uh, and, like, you, you nailed it down to crying over being the fat kid, and maybe that is more of it. Me, it was just basically his first, the first episode, him stealing the shoes, the growly voice, the tie-dye. They look at this incredible casting find we have. Because Rupert was a phenomenon. He was. In a way that is influential, more so than I think other people that we've like, well, they don't have a moment. There's something there with Rupert, and yes, I think maybe you, you nailed it. Because I think the show was probably on a downturn at this point. Even though Amazon was a great season, it was popular. I think there was probably some fatigue setting in within his audience. And part of the, you know, you could point to evidence is that the very next season they bring back people. Uh, Rupert reinvigorated. People loved Rupert. And they still yeah. do. We don't. Nobody that listens to this show does. But if you go on Facebook or during Second Chances, they're like, where's Rupert? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think part of the reason for that is precisely the way this season was edited. He was far and away the hero of the season, even though he doesn't come close to winning and certainly should not have. But I think he deserves to be on this list. And what really sells it for you that he is the rootable hero is seeing that, you know, you see him growling, Mm -hmm. you see him playing the pirate... But then when you see vulnerable Rupert crying and telling you, you know, I put up this brave front, but really I'm just this picked on little fat kid and, you know, I'm trying to be strong. That's the hero edit. That's when it starts. Well, I also think that's what cinched it, right? Like people are like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's kind of like him. I, he's funny. Oh, the pirate stuff. <laughs> oh, he's pretty strong. You know, that sort of thing. But I think you're right. When that yeah. moment of vulnerability opened it up, then it was just like, I love this man and I will protect him. And I will ignore yeah. the ways he's actually kind of being awful at times. Yes. And I, you know, I, when I, when often when I speak about this sort of thing, the I, the us, I'm, I'm speaking of a general fan. No, that was me too, you know? Yeah. There was even a creeping <laughs> oh. sense. It's like, come on, really? They just voted for you. It's not a big deal. But then it's like, I don't care. Rupert's awesome and Johnny Fairplay's awful. So yep. yeah, I think, I think both. Uh, belong and you know they're they're kind of linked because I think yeah. that definitely both of them changed what Survivor was going to do as a TV show. They were going to find their Ruperts, they were going to find their Fair Plays, and obviously before that they had their Colbys, they had their Jerrys, they had that. But Rupert was different. He and, yes. and, may, and possibly even just he came at a time they needed something like that to give the series another breath of life because. Yep. Reality shows tend to peter around this time and then just kind of cater to their fans. This gave them an ejection that kept them as one of the top-rated shows on the high, most competitive night on television on Thursdays for a while, and then eventually peter to just their fans. Um, I have another one for Pearl Islands. Go for it. The Outcast Twist. Okay, yeah, so that's a lock because that's also on my list. Yeah, basically... It was a big learning for the show. We can't do that again. <laughs> we can tinker. We can do different things. We can figure out what's right. And absolutely. But there are certain things that are sacrosanct. And the biggest one is when you're or voted sacrosanct. out. There you go. Thank you. Words are pronounced for <laughs> proper ways. Uh, when people are voted out and people assume that they are gone forever, they got to be gone forever. Uh... Redemption Island is different. Different. Everybody <laughs> true, who voted somebody out knew that they were not out. Yes. So that is the difference is that it, it's, it's upfront in Redemption Island, but this is clearly, and the show has admitted this in the form of Jeff Probst since then, 
this was a terrible idea. Yeah, and I guess the other influence is they recognized it. You know, they experimented, yeah. they played with stuff, and it's like, okay, that didn't work, and they and then they didn't do it again. And you see that throughout too. They'll they'll try some things, and sometimes part of the idea sound, and they need to fix it. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, never again. This was the never yeah. again. Yeah, this was the bridge too far. All right, so I have one more. Oh, excellent. Austin giving up. Yeah, I was wondering about that. This is the first time that there's ever a quit on the show. And it was shocking at the time. I mean, no one even, I don't remember as a viewer even thinking that people could quit. When Austin says, yeah, I'm done, whatever, vote me out. And then even Probst is just stunned, like, so you're okay with this? It was a moment. Oh, it was definitely a moment. I'd say it's a big moment. Why I didn't list it uh, is this is like, did it shape the show? And I don't know. Did other people see that? And it's like, oh, okay, you can quit. I think it did. I think that's something that happened. Yeah, and it may be. Except that, you know, would you have watched what Probes did to Austin and the way he treated him and says, yeah, I, I could do that? <laughs> or was that kind of more of a cautionary tale not to? Uh, and then the other thing I just, I, I question, and these are questions I don't have the answer to. I'm not saying no. Is just, is this... Is it really influencing future things, or is it just something that was always going to happen, and it just happens to be the first time? It's possible. I mean, I'm I'm willing to debate that and hear other opinions. Yeah, this is another one where, I, please, audience, um, let us know what you think, because I think it definitely cons- deserves consideration. I'm just not sure. Because the other thing is, like, the next person to quit, which happens actually in All-Stars, uh, for next very season. different re- Two reasons. Two of them do. Yes. For very different reasons. I doubt either one of them were thinking about, okay, well, Austin did it, you know? Uh, even skip true. ahead to the next. It's like, they're probably all quitting for their own reasons. But maybe, you know, he did break the seal. Yeah. But what, another argument on the pro side, is it did set the template of how the show will treat a quitter, at least a male quitter. <laughs> it is very true. All right, any more from Pearl Islands? Uh, no. All right, let's talk. Season 8, All-Stars. Obviously, the fact that there was an All-Stars could be considered a moment, but I I don't think that that works. I'm going to call it the three-tribe format. Interesting, uh, because I actually have that come up later as a possible, just because they did it here, and then they don't do it again for a long time. And it's just like, was it here where they're like, oh, we really like that three-tribe format, but we're just never going to do it again? Or is it just basically uh, a way of making the math work for that many people? Because this is the first time they went to 18. Okay, I can see that argument, because, yeah, they certainly put it back on the shelf for a very long time before they broke yeah. it out again. I mean, a little la- you know, a little while later, they'll go to four, but, you know. Right, <laughs> briefly. We don't get three again until Philippines, which is where I had it under consideration, because I feel okay. like in Philippines is when they were like, yeah, we like this. This is a way to go. Yeah, I, I, and I'm, I see that argument. The other question is, maybe it's not a moment, so maybe it doesn't belong here at all. It's just, you know, structurally planning Survivor. Um I'm surprised that it actually didn't have a lot for this season because you know it feels like it should be heavily influential, but almost I think so many of the circumstances were so unique that it's hard to influence. So right. I do have one. Go for it. Um, Rob and Amber forming an alliance, thus establishing the template that a, a strong duo is an incredibly powerful thing. Either both it's something to do, and thus you can control the game, or something you need to attack because of that time that Rob and Amber ran roughshod on All Stars. Um. The, the, the difficulty is, what's the moment? Is it the first time where they're, like, kind of meeting and, like, yeah, we're going to work together? Is it, you know, him proposing? Yeah, marriage? I mean, I can definitely, you can obviously see influence because there's been many times over the course of the show where people have said, hey, those two are too tight. we got to break them up. Yeah, like, it is an incredibly influential thing. I'm not sure there's a moment. I would have to, like, right. kind of watch. It's like, is there a moment where these two formed... So it's kind of it's tough because it feels like it it should be talked about, but it's it's kind of a cumulative thing, right? Right. And that's all I got. Yeah, I don't have anything else either. <laughs> I mean, and the other I guess part of that is Rob and Amber themselves helped you know shape a lot of CBS programming decisions from then right. on. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, God. What's weird is that okay, so obviously I'm a huge Boston Rob fan. This is it for I got for him. I think I don't know if I have another moment for him. And it's because I think it, the way he plays, the way he acts and all that, that's where his influence is. Because I think he himself is the most influential person in Survivor, other than possibly Jeff Probst. But I don't know if he has a lot of moments. I have one in later that's like a maybe, but probably a no. So yeah, moving on. 
Yeah, let's talk season nine. I have nothing for this season. I have one that I don't feel strong about. That would be uh, voting out Leanne and basically the uh, assembling a weird alliance to take people out. But yeah, that just seems to be... No. It's either an evolution of the Row 4 or of Rob voting out Alex. It's not its right. own thing. So, yeah. And and so that's why... And, and I should say, like, we're going to have seasons where there's just none. There's no moments. That doesn't even mean that they're bad seasons. It just means they didn't necessarily influence future seasons with these with moments that happened in them. Yeah, and you'll see that a lot as we're going now because yeah, a lot of these are building off templates before. Maybe they they tweak them a bit, they they yep. improve it or do a little different, borrow from here from there. But I don't think there was any, you know, template forming things in this season. Now, obviously, I am an avowed Vanuatu hater. So if you have a different perspective, uh, feel free to send it along. And uh, you will probably not convince me. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think Vanuatu was a heavily influential season, whether the, right. regardless of how I feel about it. Let's move on to season 10, Palau, because I think there's some debate I had here over mm-hmm. what moments to use. But... I'm going to call Bobby John and Stephanie doing the fire making challenge the moment because that's our first ever tribal decimation. The end of the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. I don't know how much you can say it influences future seasons, Mm -hmm. but that shaped just a narrative of a tribe getting decimated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. Uh, I didn't put it down. Um, I'll say it could be kind of along the same lines of the fake merge in Thailand in that it, it once again showed that it, the show will not necessarily save you. Just when you think that you know what's going to happen, they might be like, no. And that's kind of what happened, right? Like, we would have assumed, okay, well, those are the final two. They're not going to have a challenge with just two people competing and just get down. How could they even do it? There's no voting. And the show's right. like, no, no, we're going to play this out. You, <laughs> you can't anticipate what's going to happen. And that's kind of what I was getting at with fake merge. Obviously, that's what they were doing at the swap. So I don't know if this one itself. You're not on board. I'm a. I'm an. I don't know on this one right now. Okay. Um. But similar to that moment, maybe what this is is what I have is after that the, the night alone that Stephanie spent on the beach. Uh, she was the only member of her tribe. I have that as the more influential moment because I think that's basically where they got the idea for exile. Uh, except that they actually had an exile island in this season. After this moment, I am a firm believer <laughs> that Survivor changed, like, you know, calls audibles at the line. And I think wow. when they had that, like, oh man, it was so compelling with That's Stephanie like out Peyton there. Peyton Manning style calling audibles at the line. It's not that big a deal. It's just like, hey, that, that was pretty cool footage when one person did it. How about we send another person? Like, it's not like they had to prepare an island and all of that. They just <laughs> sent somebody somewhere with a cameraman and a, a boom mic, right? Like, they didn't have, like, an XL island set up for there. They didn't have clues or anything. It's just like, you're going to go sleep by yourself tonight. So, okay. I, yeah, I don't know for yeah. sure, but I kind of feel like they saw, like, that worked there. Let's do it again. I think, though, you're reading too much into, you know, we're, we're trying to stick to what you see on the show, and that's getting a little mm-hmm. too, maybe this influenced that. But, uh, yeah, and especially because that's the moment that built the mythology of Stephanie LaGrosa, right? Yep. I mean, there was some up there, like, oh, these other people suck. She kind of seems uh, spunky. But her one night starting that fire and, you know, beating him in a fire challenge and surviving a whole one night. Yeah, she got to eat off of that for like two more seasons. Um, actually, what do you have next? Okay. I haven't mentioned a winner since season one. I'm mentioning the winner here. The Immunity Beast finally winning a season is a moment. I think it's definitely a big moment. How is it an influential moment? Because it lays the path for how to be a leader and still win this game. It was attempted to be copied Mm -hmm. in future seasons. It hasn't been. And part of it is people can see it coming and try to prevent it. Uh, We'll actually get to a discussion in two seasons here about another attempt to make it happen, and it didn't. You might have convinced me. I think a big thing is it also just showed... Up to Palau, there was kind of a growing uh, sentiment amongst fans or even just casual TV watchers that Survivor was a show that basically rewarded mediocrity. You know, the worst are called early, the best are called later, and then it's just a bunch of meh choices, right? And maybe that, you know, following Chris Dordery. Anyway, or Amber, really, let's be real here. Or a file two of 
you know, at that perception at that time, Sandra and Lil. Tom winning changes that. It shows that you can be awesome and win Survivor. You, I mean, you have to be super awesome, but it's possible. So, yeah, I think that's definitely worthy of consideration. Okay, do you have something else? Yeah, I have um, Tom and Ian deciding to, to not be afraid of the rocks and decide that we will go to rocks if we need to to win. And basically it was by not being afraid of the rock, by basically playing rock chicken, they uh-huh. got their way. And I feel like we see this again, not a lot, but every once in a while. One, show, one side of a potential tie has more will than the other, and yes. they break them and win. So that wasn't on my list, but that, I mean, that is an influence, certainly. I just, I don't know if it's going to crack my list or not. I, I could be convinced on that, though. You make a good argument. Yeah, because basically, I mean, that's one of the strengths of the Purple Rock, is that it forces yeah. the decision, and this is where we see it. Because right. all of it was before, it's just like, okay, I can't ever break my majority. Like, you could have just seen Ian, it's like, well, sorry, Tom. But they were like, you know what, no. Three people are enough, and I, we can either get a fourth or screw it. We'll go to Rocks, because winning now is more important than hanging on. And obviously we see it later in Blood versus Water where they actually do go to rocks because both sides are like, no, no, we need to win now or we've lost the game. Later seasons you see like South Pacific where Cochran flips or in uh, Samoa. So anyway, that's why I have that. Um, do you have any others from Plow? That is all for me. Uh, my other one is the uh, 12-hour final challenge. All right, but how is that going to shape Survivor, though? I think Survivor learned that we can't have any more 12-hour challenges. <laughs> I think there was like a series of escalation, and I'd say yeah, that throughout shows, especially the final one, like, oh, it's just going to be a battle of will. And then we're like, wow, um, that was awesome once, but I never want to live through that again. And I, <laughs> You guys had too much will. Yeah. And you don't see challenges like that anymore, especially at the finals, right? Like almost every challenge before was something like that, right? Hands on the pole, you know, a few times, you know, holding the weird position in Africa or the sweat, you know, in the sweat lodge or whatever it was. But I feel like after this, they're kind of like, no, no, let's make them do stuff because we watched two guys sit there for 12 hours and it only ended when one guy made a really bizarre decision. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it we do have to list. come up with 30, so we'll see uh, where it <laughs> shakes out once we get to 30. All right. We're going to cut off right here, and we'll make this the end of part one. We've gone through 10 seasons. That seems like a nice cutoff point. Somehow, though, in part two, because there will be less moments, we're going to cover the most recent 20 seasons of Survivor. So look out for part two of this podcast and find out the other moments that we nominated. That's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.